Welcome to How to Japan, a podcast where two guys from two different countries talk about life in Japan. So, without further ado, my friend, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm doing very well. Actually, that's terrible English. I'm doing good. Just shows you how long I've been in Japan. <laughs> I think that's just native speaker English. I, I, I think probably if you polled half the Americans in America, they would probably mm. say, I'm doing good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, doing, my, my yeah. family have always, always been sticklers for proper grammar. And uh, yeah. so I always feel like this tinge of... You know, something going off, you know, my spider sense is going off every time a word is mis misplaced in a yes. sentence. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, how was everything with you? Doing good. Uh, just uh, getting used to the new heat coming into Japan. It's getting a little bit more humid than usual. Uh, well, it gets humid every year, but it's starting to uh, turn into rainy season. Yeah, so, yeah. Got to get used to that. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, yeah. Are you are do do you acclimate to the rainy season well, or do you find it hard every year? Uh, I find that I can't go to bed without the aircon on. Yeah. Uh, it's a real lifesaver. Yeah. Uh, I can't. Yeah, I I couldn't imagine living Mm -hmm. in times without a fucking air conditioner. Although. I guess in times without the air conditioner, you just have your window open. Right. Um, it it and does. The fan. The t- yeah. 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 The fans. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I can't survive without having having the air conditioner on on at least 21, mm. 20, 21 degrees throughout the night. Um, yeah, how about yourself? Yeah, I'm starting to get to that point where I need to have the aircon on a little bit. Or what? The there's certain ones where there's a there's a function on the air conditioner that takes out the humidity. So we'll oh, dry, like a dry yeah. setting. Yeah, so that's kind of nice. So it kind of cools things down, but it, it doesn't make you feel too cold. So mm, mm, I, mm. I find that if we if we leave the air conditioner on all night, then I'll, I'll feel like crap in the morning a lot of times. So um, mm. that, that, And I find that Japanese people have told me that too, that they just... They can't leave it on all night. They have to turn it off at a certain point. But then, you know, if it's really hot out, then I can wake up in like a ball of sweat in the middle of the night. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's just yeah. Like, it's a, it's a disgusting feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Which then points to, you know, in the summertime, it's so much more practical to take a shower in the morning, even though most Japanese will, you know, take a bath at night. Uh, yeah, it's just like yeah. I'm too hairy to do that, you know. I, I I don't know if you have this experience where you get out of the shower and you dry off, but you're immediately wet from the humidity. Like you, oh yeah, you keep, yeah it's like yeah. you can't ever get dry. You just so I find myself like, okay, I'm just gonna put my towel on the rack and then walk around my apartment or my house until I become somehow dry from doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. I used to live at Kumagaya, yeah, which is okay. uh, renowned or notorious for being one of the hottest places in Japan. Yeah. It's terrible. I mean, and the humidity is suppressive. So being yeah. in Tokyo is actually a, was a relief when I moved back mm-hmm. to Tokyo from Kumagaya yeah. and uh, escaping that. It was like a sauna. I would, yeah. When I would leave for work in the mornings and open up the door yeah. to, to leave my air-conditioned room and then... Mm go to face the day and I, as mm-hmm. soon as i open the door i would just be greeted by this hot wave like i'm entering mm-hmm. a sauna yeah and, and, and in, i yeah. wasn't used to it it's just yeah. it's fucking horrendous and in most cases we think positively about the natural positive effects of the sauna but in this case well not getting yeah <laughs> i wish i wish that were, i wish that were the case because i got tuberculosis and kumagaya <laughs> They always <laughs> listening all these positive properties about the sauna, but when you live in a sauna, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I don't think it's healthy out. either. It's like one. Mm. It's okay if you spend like I don't know twenty minutes in a sauna, mm. but not your whole fucking life. <laughs> and not when you're wearing a suit to work as well. It doesn't. Yeah, kind of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's not a good thing. 
Yeah, so, so yeah, what are we uh, what are we covering tonight? We're talking about food. F O O D. Food. Yeah, I I wasn't I, sure. I, I need I want it to help everyone understand because you know there's different accents and pronunciations. Is that you know I I was watching this YouTube video with this Welsh guy. I think it was a Welsh guy talking about sports watches because that's what I constantly, even though I own sports watches, I constantly watch these stupid reviews, and he pronounces eyes like eh. So he talks about like I got the Garmin Phoenix Six. I'm like, mm. okay, that's interesting. So you never know. Maybe that guy says food differently. Mm-hmm. And maybe he won't understand my foreign accent. Right. I don't know <laughs> how much I need to explain that. but uh, <laughs> I want to actually talk about something I saw on the on website today, japantoday.com. Sometimes they have these weird advertisements that are masked as uh, they, they come in looking like articles, but they're just advertisements. And it's uh, this new food item sold at Lawson called the Custard Sandwich. It's a dessert food. You've probably seen these dessert foods, right? Mm. It's two pieces of white bread, and inside is junk food. Well, I mean, mm. white bread is already mm. junk food, but it, but it's like strawberries with whipped cream, or right. something like this. And this one is just like a block of custard inside. And they try to they're trying to promote it like this incredibly delicious treat. And I'm just looking at it. It looks like diarrhea formed into a block in between two pieces of white bread. It's All so right. disgusting looking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but well, that kind of thing. Until you, know, you tried it. You you gotta try yeah. it first, though. Yeah, right? that's Before true. You can pass you know, judgment. I mean you can't I can't really do that. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all the people. <laughs> I'm already passing judgment. It might be but, alienating a fair you know, portion of our audience who who are attracted to the idea of custard and, and white bread and it sounds like poor people food, doesn't it? It's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it got Wonder Bread. And then what else do we have in the house? Hey, what's in that bottle? Oh, it's custard. Yeah, it doesn't Let's look a little that. old. It's kind of congealed together. We just pour it out on top of it and put another piece of bread on it. It tastes pretty good. <laughs> a 99 yeah. cent snack. Yeah, yeah. Mm. A lot of stuff is like that. Well, what about spaghetti? Neapolitan spaghetti is just spaghetti with ketchup. It's like, Jesus That's Christ. right. Yeah, they love their ketchup on the spaghetti, don't they? Yeah, it's like, what the hell? Would you live in the ghetto? Oh, God, that's racist, huh? But, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's like, that's so disgusting. Like, the it whole is. concept is like, what are you doing? Why are you putting ketchup on your spaghetti? And they've that got would be the mayonnaise yeah. on pizza. Yeah, mayonnaise. They've got pizza. mayonnaise and all sorts of shit on it, um, which, uh, you know, I never thought about it before. But I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I wonder what, you know, there's all these different food groups which they which which Japanese mix together and mm-hmm. and, and they use mayonnaise and all these other different different ways. They, yeah. And I don't know why, but I, I never liked mayonnaise much to begin with. Mm. So... Yeah, don't know I mean, what it is. It, it's I think the the flavor of mayonnaise is different actually. I think there's more sugar content in mayonnaise in Japan. Okay. And so maybe it's more it's easier to consume than the mayonnaise that I grew up with. <laughs> more sugar content in it. So Yeah. So what's stopping them from putting whipped cream on pizza then? Well, was that going to the uh, extreme? No one's thought of it yet. That's what's stopping them. Oh, yeah. well, that's a food idea yeah. then. Yeah. But they do right. have like dessert pizzas and shit like that. You know, I worked at Pizza Hut a long time ago, not in Japan, but in America. And they had dessert pizza. They had this crumpled cinnamon crap that they would put on top of the, the crust. Mm. And, that, and that was sold as dessert, not just the remnants of leftovers, which in retrospect, that's what it seems like. Well, it makes sense, you know, all processed food. I mean, all the snacks that I think you and I both grew up with mm-hmm. are fat and carbohydrates. Yeah. That's it. There's yeah. a lot of like a lot of uh like sugar, fructose, um corn syrup, but the ratios are always the same. It's always high fat and 
and high high carbs um, and cereals that. too yeah. Lots, yeah, a lot cereals, of sugar yeah. cereals it, we, my my mom always got us cheerios because she wanted us to eat healthy or something like that you know because the other kids got you know lucky charms and like total like ball out like the heroin of cereal so we always got the, the watered down like oh this is somehow natural cheerios do you know what cheerios are uh, Cheerios, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but Never what I would them. do, my brother and I had, would do, we would get the Cheerios, fill it up, bowl of milk, and put Cheerios in there and fill it, the bowl, fill it up with the extra milk. Because what you do is you get the bowl, sugar bowl and you just start scooping sugar into it. And the Cheerios are really thin. You know, mm. they're, they're very thin and they have holes in them, right? So right. The, it doesn't catch on, the sugar doesn't catch on the Cheerios. So it goes sinks to the bottom. So you eat your bowl of Cheerios and then you drink the milk. And then at the bottom is the residue of wow. the sugar. You just scrape the sugar and eat all the sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. And that was, you know, that was our was uh, most important sad. meal of the day. <laughs> this sad, sad meal. I had Cocoa Pops. I remember yeah, Cocoa, Cocoa Pops being my favorite. I loved Cocoa Pops. Yeah. Cocoa Pops. Yeah. They, I mean, they, chocolate. Because as soon as it, you know, yeah. <laughs> as soon as you finish Cocoa Pops, you're just drinking chocolate milk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back on it, that's just, that's fucked up. You're yeah, just giving it's kids, you're just giving kids like all the sugar and chocolate milk in the morning. Yeah. No wonder I was totally bouncing fair. off the fucking walls. And, <laughs> and hyperactive. <laughs> couldn't listen to anyone (laughs) and then also we had pancakes and that's funny you know pancakes are an interesting thing because they do have the word cake in them and but we eat them for breakfast but in japan actually pancakes are dessert for a lot of Mm. people you know there's a lot of cafes in the city i live in where it's like a pancake cafe and uh, you know lots of people go there you know, girlfriends go out together and they, they have some coffee and they, they eat a pancake with whipped cream on it and strawberries and it's mm-hmm. really nicely done. And it, it's not like a Denny's Diner pancake. It really looks nice, almost like a... Gourmet. A, yeah, gourmet crepe type of thing, but it's a mm-hmm. pancake. And I can appreciate that. You know, I think that's a really good way of looking at pancakes. It's a sensible way of looking at pancakes as opposed to the first meal of the day. What you want to do <laughs> is, 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 you, is you, want, you want like residue of sugar in a bowl with milk. And that's your entree to uh, pancakes, which uh, are covered in uh, maple syrup and some whipped cream as well and for our, good measure. The, the batter thick yeah. Butter, batter, yeah. and if you're still hungry, we're gonna, we're gonna finish it off with some sausages and, and <laughs> eggs and some you know high fat, like a lot of high fat, and the grease off the pan. Oh, <laughs> so all of that kind of stuff, it it exists in Japan, but at, in much smaller quantities. Yeah, I, I think that's really the the key, you know. People do eat bacon and people do eat eggs. But when it comes on a breakfast platter, say like if you go to someplace like Yoshinoya. Have you ever eaten breakfast at Yoshinoya? I have not. No? I, I've, I've done it a couple times. And what they serve you is... Well, Yoshinoya, for, for people who don't know Yoshinoya, it's uh, it's basically... It's, it's most well known here for the... Beef on rice. They're mm-hmm. the they're called. Uh, what are they called again? Gyudon. I haven't been there in a long time. Yeah, gyudon. 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 Right. Yeah, a beef bowl, right? Beef bowls. Yeah. yeah. So you go to this place, and I think I've heard. You know, I've listened to podcasts where people in America actually have heard of Yoshinoya because they're they're in different outlets in Los Angeles and California. Oh, that's Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah, well, yeah. Sorry. Uh, maybe, yeah, it's okay. Or maybe somewhere in the Midwest or some out, outposts in Siberia, people will listen to this. Uh, so we don't know who's actually hearing. I don't, in New Zealand, I don't think there are. Yeah, I no. sort of think you should know who uh, has any presence there. Yeah. 
But the, the thing about Yoshinoya is, it, although it's fast food for Japan, when you, when you get a breakfast platter, you have a little piece of salmon, miso soup, and your fried egg. But mm-hmm. it's one egg. Yeah. And it's a small bowl of miso soup. And miso soup is like a soybean paste that you add right. water to and you get, you know, that thing. And there's like a little bit of seaweed in there. So you mm-hmm. do have the the elements that might exist in a traditional Western breakfast like eggs. But it's also balanced with other things that are nutritious for you. And although white rice isn't exactly the most nutritious thing for you, it's not the biggest thing on your plate as well. Mm. There's a balance to things on it. So that's really, really different from a breakfast menu in America, at least. You know, there's no mm-hmm. balance whatsoever. Oh, you want pancakes? W- would you like blueberries? Oh, that sounds good. How about we put the jelliest, most congealed, sweetest jam you've ever tasted in your life on top of these pancakes you know if there's blueberries in a breakfast in japan it'll be like four right Right. (laughs) they've been properly washed and placed very neatly on your plate yeah yeah there's a really really they still maintain that balance which i think american diets there's just no balance anymore yeah well that uh, that's an interesting point because uh, I think um, when I was doing a little bit of prep for this episode, mm-hmm. I feel like I've you know I've benefited. I benefited without you know without myself knowing about it about mm-hmm. how things are set up uh, mm-hmm. in Japan. The dietary lifestyles of Japanese people to some mm-hmm. extent work in our favor without us right. knowing it. Yeah, and so. Yeah, we're beneficiaries in that sense. We don't. We're not able to get the highly. I mean, you. I mean, you can if you go to certain import stores. You can still find mm-hmm. like you know, certain foods which we grew up with. But mm-hmm. that's not a staple of of the Japanese diet. Mm. So Definitely. health health wise, I think if uh, if you do follow many of the dietary habits of Japanese. I think mm. you're on a you're on a good path in life. Mm. In fact, you know what's most depressing is that the Japanese are, you know, there are McDonald's everywhere now. You've got a lot of Western influence and in fast food chains. So that's the most depressing thing about it is is just mm. seeing this influx of of Western influence into how Japanese um, and Japanese fall prey to. You mm. know, not. No, I mean, this is minority. I. I Mm-hmm. I think that the most most of Japanese who do go go to McDonald's aren't obese. You know, mm-hmm. they aren't morbidly obese because they 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 pretty much are able to go home and still have nutritious meals in the morning and have a nutritious meal at lunch. And McDonald's is just like a like a treat every now and mm-hmm. again. I think it's also it's not considered a meal. I I think a lot of Maybe, you know what, the families with kids, the kids want to eat McDonald's all the time. So, for example, if I drive down the street and there's a little bit of a traffic jam at the light, it's the McDonald's at the it's the McDonald's at the corner because the cars are coming out of the parking lot onto the street and the line is out on the street of cars because they're all Mm. getting a drive in. They're all getting out they're all getting takeout and so there's actual guys standing outside a security guy telling people you know oh, move around these cars if you want to go through the traffic light or not and it's all kids it's all families with kids but yeah. i think when but outside of that i think most japanese don't they think of it like a hamburger or a cheeseburger or something like that is a snack more than something. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to eat this, and it's going to make me feel good. Yeah, I don't think yeah. most people really have that view. It's interesting, you know. I just remembered it now. Um, mm-hmm. I was, uh, I heard from a a Japanese woman in her, I think it was ten years ago when I met her, and she was, I think, uh, in her forties at the time. So she's probably mm-hmm. in her, I don't know, 
late 50s now, but uh, mm-hmm. she she told me that in the 70s, around that time, McDonald's mm. was considered like a like a luxury. It was considered uh-huh. it was it was so expensive mm-hmm. at the time, which which blew my mind. I was like, "Wow, right. really? It was it was expensive." She's like, "Yeah, in the seventies, eighties, you you never you couldn't get it, so it just created this demand mm-hmm. because it was you know that was during the time when America had still you know well still had some prestige and mm. uh, and people." were um you're just fascinated with american culture so mm-hmm. they um yeah mcdonald's at the time was 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 really expensive for for japanese people so so that was you know interesting to hear no i mean not anymore now it's still more a lot cheaper than mm-hmm. most other establishments but still that kind of blew my mind i think it's also a place that teenagers can hang out at American fast food establishments like McDonald's, you can't, once you're finished your food, you have to get out. And that's the cultural standard. Mm. But in Japan, you can linger. Right. And you, it's kind of the, I think it's a holdover from older cafes and coffee shops more traditional coffee yeah, shops. That's a good, and, good point. And so people can just spend their time there. I used to take Japanese lessons at a, mcdonald's near me and i spent 90 minutes there and i bought a coffee and no Mm. one blinked an eye it wasn't it wasn't a problem in in america if you did that man staff would be like what are you doing throw yeah get thrown out yeah Yeah, you get out get out of here what are you doing so that the whole perception of what the fast food establishment is is i think pretty different uh, I, it just made me laugh just thinking about like a Japanese person in America who's used to lingering about McDonald's <laughs> and some, barely speak a word of English and yeah. some staff member is in his or her face like, hey, hey, what the fuck do you think you're doing? Oh, <laughs> uh, what can't I? I don't understand. <laughs> so get out your fucking riffraff. <laughs> uh, I, I think, you know, it what about like the the burger joints that are established in Japan, like Moss Burger? Moss Burgers kind of considered. To, I think they they market themselves as being more natural. You know, Moss healthy option. Yeah, yeah. So it's Moss meaning mountain, ocean, sun. That's the acronym. Mm. And I, I think I really think the only difference is that it just takes a little bit longer to get the food. I don't know. And the amount of food that they give you is much smaller. So I've been thinking about this. I think that's the only, that's what it makes, that's what makes Moss Burger healthier than other fast food restaurants is the portions. I don't think there's anything that really, anything else they give you. You don't think the quality of the ingredients are any different to those used at McDonald's? Yeah, I don't know, like, what exactly could be different that could, uh, it's well, a burger's... I've, you know. I've had, I've had uh, Moss Burger on occasion, and uh, their signature burger is mm-hmm. a burger with that, a lot of that sauce. Yeah. It's like a homemade yeah. kind of sauce that they put mm-hmm. on it with, mm-hmm. you can get cheese with it. Mm-hmm. If I... I've never done a, a, a test, you know. I've never had mm-hmm. like McDonald's and then had Moss Burger, or <laughs> so I had one burger follow yeah, one another. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it does to me. It could be biased. I, I, I don't know, but it yeah. it does seem a little yeah higher, higher quality. I, I think I was just watching this Morgan Morgan Spurlock documentary about chickens, and they go into marketing. He talks about marketing a lot. And so then I was just thinking about Mossburger and what Mossburger does for marketing. It's like just this mountain, ocean, sun, natural things around you. So then you start to feel like there's something better about it than other places. And mm. I do agree with you. I think that Mossburger tastes better than McDonald's. But I don't know if that's psychological as, as mm. or if it's the reality. But it also made sense from the uh, just from the point of view of waiting, like you know, mm-hmm. if it's yeah, already yeah. there, if it's already right. if if the burger's already been made and they've uh-huh. they've already and they do it with such speed mm-hmm. and efficiency, 
it just makes me feel like, well, you know, this is called like a conveyor belt of, right. of food, pr- food production, mm-hmm. um, and it's so efficient. Whereas in Moss Burger, they take their sweet-ass time making it. Yeah. And I don't know right, whether so, they're less, less yeah. efficient or, <laughs> yeah. or the fact that it does, they actually do spend more uh-huh. time preparing the burger. But I don't know. They could be out back just having a cigarette. Uh, or, <laughs> or they could just be spending more time preparing the junk food for you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's more it mindful be, of, of how they prepare the yeah, shitty yeah. quality food. <laughs> Uh, but um, but make no mistake, I I do like Moss Burger more than McDonald's. It's just it just looks as you say it's presented more nicely, and you feel like you're getting a better experience. Um, and the portions are so much smaller. Like French fries, you probably count them on one hand. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's why it's healthier than McDonald's because you get five French fries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. When you order, that's when you order about, yeah. onion rings, you get two. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. if you can get the mixed French fries and the onion rings, forget yeah. about it. You got three French fries and two onion rings. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. go hog wild. You can exactly. You know, careful you gotta hold back yeah uh, so th- there's that whole world of uh burger joints and things like that freshness burger is also another one mm. uh but i i think that they they do a good job they also do take their burger. time as well yeah yeah i think they taste pretty good i mean but it, then again it's just still a hamburger and french fries it may it maybe mm. it makes me think of what mcdonald's used to be I think yeah. I think when McDonald's started, their burgers actually t- tasted okay for mm-hmm. the time. You know, they, they right, right. I think the ingredients were a little more natural because mm-hmm. they hadn't established that just cold system of, mm-hmm. of food production and delivery. Mm-hmm. Everything became standardized. Mm-hmm. I think the, they originally they mm-hmm. um, it was a real burger. With yeah. real meat and real mm-hmm. ingredients, no processed mm. shit, mm. no artificial shit. So I think from that point of view, I think Freshness Burger and Moss Burger perhaps perhaps they use more real ingredients. Mm-hmm. I mean, I it can't. Be. I yeah. mean, I can't. Uh, we can't verify it right it. now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know for sure, but um, it could I be. It could be the case that they haven't mm. fully fallen prey to just easy money. Easy efficiency, mm. you know the the way that McDonald's has just set up this gigantic corporation, which mm. they can set up anywhere, yeah. <laughs> and they can have multiple franchises anywhere, mm. and get and uh, have access to all the same ingredients. I don't, I don't think that's, yeah, I don't think that's a good sort of source of of nutrition if you mm. if you do do that. And also, I think in a, in America, it's a lot cheaper, isn't it? Yeah, fast food well, in general. A- yeah, I think overall because of the access of food, that's where so much of the production of food is done in the world, right, is in America. So being closer to the product, uh, the production line probably drives down prices a little bit more. That might be the reason why Japanese Japanese food is oftentimes more expensive. But I'll say that... Food, although in smaller portions, often seems to be of higher quality, even in supermarkets and things like that. If I get mm, a that's true a package, yeah. uh, if I get a package of blueberries, I know that all of them are going to taste good, although it's going to be like in a smaller package. Mm. I went to America last year. I bought a big bin of blueberries, and it was about three bucks. And I was like, "Wow, this is heavy." It was. I usually buy a quarter of the amount for the same price. And I ate mm. one blueberry and I was like, this is crap. This doesn't mm. taste like anything. It's like, no wonder no one buys fruit or eats fruit in America. Right. It tastes like shit. It's horrible. Unless yeah. you go to some frou-frou health, health store or you go to a farmer's market. Maybe you don't have that kind of that access to that type of thing. And those things could be more expensive. And so you end up paying way more for smaller amounts and then you feel like you're getting gypped because you could go to the supermarket and buy something huge in japan you don't have that kind of conflict in your brain the cost mm. of food is just that it's expensive but you're going to yeah. be able to eat all of it and it's going to taste good mm. 
Yeah, no, the supermarkets, I, I completely agree with you. The, 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 I mean, the, the access to good quality food, it, it isn't a, a hindrance as much as I think as it is in places like America, mm. where everywhere you go, you just get pushed into the aisles of, of, of sugar and high carbs. Yeah. And mm. uh, I, I'm not, uh, no, I, I don't want to sound like I'm preaching to, mm -hmm. to anyone, but I, I mean, I think, a good diet just shapes how you think, how you feel, mm -hmm. your, mm. your energy levels, mm. and it's so important to to one's life. And and I, and I can understand people like I mean, we just established that at the beginning. We grew up with shitty diets mm. through no fault of our own, really. Yeah. Um. So, um. Uh, but that that's a nice segue actually into mm -hmm. Japanese cuisine uh mm. japanese food i i never considered myself a foodie by mm -hmm. any stretch of the imagination right um but but coming here and now actually over only recently i just became more conscious of what i'm putting into my my body because when, mm -hmm. when i when i when i when i did first come here i um i think i mentioned on previous podcasts i i drank a lot and I wasn't leading a very healthy life, and mm -hmm. I would go home and have bento boxes. Mm -hmm. And uh, bento boxes, I guess you know they're not they're not that bad, but I don't think you can survive on just bento boxes <laughs> throughout throughout your life here. But that's something mm -hmm. I uh, I relied on because it was just mm -hmm. so quick and easy. And also, right. yeah, of course, McDonald's and other fast food places, mm -hmm. and. Um, but Japan is known for so much more. It's, it has such a rich history of mm -hmm. cuisine, and I never really experienced it. I was never interested because mm -hmm. I was never a foodie. I never gave mm. a fuck. I, I still don't. I still. I mean, I should care more. But what I found that works for me is the keto diet. Mm -hmm. um, for those that don't know, the keto diet is basically a diet where you limit your carb intake, and then you increase the like uh your not the number of fat uh, amount of fat percentage of mm -hmm. fat and and then the percentage of uh protein and then you get into a level of uh, a state of what's called ketosis where your body instead of using glucose as an energy source it, your body switches to using fat and uh keto ketones as an energy source so i i started doing this a few years ago and i mm -hmm. and i and i was a fat fuck because mm -hmm. of my bad dietary habits, but once I, I switched to this diet, I just saw the well. You, yeah, you've seen me. I think you've seen yeah, the changes yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been through. Mm, definitely, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So I've. Uh, so that's what I wanted to get into. Is just uh, mm. well, well, well. The, well, the first thing is, I, I wanted to address the fact that I that I'm living in Japan, but mm. I'm nowhere. I don't feel like I'm getting the most out of living in Japan because a lot of the food that Many chefs and uh, foodies from overseas, you know, f uh, celebrity chefs who come over to Japan, they talk about how great this country is, and and also the fact that Japan was was named the world's most Michelin-starred city, mm -hmm. with something like two hundred and twenty-six restaurants receiving stars. Mm -hmm. So they've they're the most Michelin-starred city in the world, according to the Michelin Guide, uh, mm -hmm. in two thousand twenty this year. So. I just feel like I'm not, uh, you know, I haven't really discovered that because a lot of these foods are actually within our within our price ranges. Mm -hmm. A lot, a lot, you know, you can go down little dinky alleyways to find mm -hmm. a lot of these these restaurants. So, um, so that's one thing I wanted to to, to talk about, just touch upon. It's like why, mm -hmm. uh, like how, like why is it that we we can't experience that? But also at the same time, I don't think I can if I'm on the keto diet. Because there are not mm -hmm. that many options available for people like me, keto mm -hmm. men, who you know I get a lot of my stuff online. Mm -hmm. I buy a lot of my you know, powders online. I've got my MCT oil powder. I've got my whey protein, and um, and that keeps me sashayed. Along with my butter, I get like a five kilogram block of butter from New Zealand, and that um, I won't go into that as well at a at a later stage about regulations on butter. Uh, mm -hmm. But I've been I've been lucky to find that. 
but uh, it's very difficult, I think, just from a from someone who's practicing this diet to mm. to fully uh, to fully experience Japanese <coughs> Japanese cuisine while mm. maintaining a keto diet. Mm. Sorry, that was a long way, like long roundabout way of just describing how I wanted to tackle. Japanese yeah, cuisine. yeah, I think yeah, I think that um, when I look at keto and I've tried to find things in keto in Japan, when I look at U- YouTube or something like that, or I look at a website and there's somebody's blog, it's usually weightlifters or someone who's like really into this health fad kick, you know. it's not as widespread keto is not widespread in japan at all Uh, when i went to america and i walked through the aisles of like target i was really surprised to see keto this and keto that it's really all over the place but japan doesn't have that and doctors really view it as and you probably have something to say about this but doctors really view it as just a very specific dietary plan that most people don't need for uh, diabetics yeah so they they don't they, they don't really feel that it, it's necessary in any way um so that's why i think it's really hard for people who live in japan to get keto stuff is because it's just not it's not even in the consciousness of most japanese whereas i think in america nearly everyone knows what keto is because it's just everywhere so you see keto this keto that blah 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 everyone's talking about it also the the fact that japanese have rice as a main staple of their Mm -hmm. diets uh i mean one would one could make the argument that japanese are biologically genetically just culturally adapted to more carbs in their diets mm-hmm. well good quality carbs um, yeah. and and so it doesn't make sense for i think most the majority of japanese to follow the keto diet because mm-hmm. of the fact that they're already leading such a healthy lifestyle that's uh, and living in a you know they're it's a homogenous country mm-hmm. so all the food that's available it's for their it's for their biology it's right. all perfectly crafted through thousands of years a lot of it in isolation. So, mm-hmm. so if anything, we are the anomalies. And I don't, maybe it's not even fair of me to demand that, oh, Japan should bend over backwards to accommodate my lifestyle, my, mm. my food requirements. It's really a niche. Like, if, and you know this, if you go to, I go to an import store near my house to see, oh, there's grass fed butter there. Okay. 250 grams of grass fed butter is 2,500 yen. Yeah, that and so that's that's where we're that's what you're working from. What is that so twenty five bucks American? Yeah, twenty five dollars American for two hundred fifty grams of butter. So when you're looking at that price tag, only people who really care about grass fed or have knowledge of it, or even consider the other butter as have being problematic, and we have to think of how much butter is being consumed by Japanese people in general. And it's not Not a lot. lot. Yeah. I mean, people are using other types of oil to, um, to, to fry things or to cook things in. So that small amount is there because it's just a complete and total niche market. Mm. It's not going to reach many things, but talking about rice and, how how much it pervades society? Uh, could could I just talk a little bit about the different varieties of rice sure. that exist? It, you know, it's funny because we think of rice as being rice and white rice, and we might think of oh, there's Indian rice and there's Thai rice and then there's Japanese rice. Within the within the Japanese rice world, there are ten, probably ten or twenty different varieties of rice that exist, and everyone has their favorite. So the most grown rice in japan is called koshi hikari and apparently many people call it like this because of its stickiness it's more sticky than other rices but if you look at different graphs as stickiness and things like that my wife was showing me these things it's some some people feel it's harder than other ones and other people feel it's stickier than other ones 
But koshi hikari is something that can be grown in different regions of Japan. Mm. Uh, so uh, it might be due to the soil that it's grown in that might cause different uh, characteristics to sprout, uh, sprout in, that, in that rice. Then there's Akito Komachi. And Akita is a northern prefecture in Japan, and that's where it was originally grown. But again, it's also grown in other places now. And it's known for kind of a balanced consistency, not too sticky, not too hard, not too soft. It's got a, got a nice balance, so a lot of people really like that. And there's one more, which is called Hitome Bore, and that's grown in Miyagi Prefecture, and that's considered a little bit harder in consistency. So when we're thinking about rice, Japanese people, when they're even when they're thinking about which rice they get, they're thinking about the hardness, the stickiness, how soft it is. There's all these, uh, not just the flavor, but the consistency of the rice uh, that it really uh, is brought about in the different varieties that are grown. And like I said before, there's tens, 20, there's more than 20 varieties of rice that you can buy in the supermarket. And it's all, it all looks like Japanese rice. Mm, mm, mm. But they're, they're, they all have a specific quality and characteristic. Like, right. uh, like some people go crazy over sake, right? Knowing all the different varieties. Uh, right. Most Japanese people have their specific favorite type of rice. Mm, mm, mm. Um, then there's genmai. Genmai is either partially hold or not hold at all gen, uh, brown rice. And a lot of people like to mix brown rice with white rice uh, to kind of create a little bit of a more nutrient-rich uh, rice for mm, their food. Mm. Um, could I just speak on about hi- historically about rice? Just a, yeah, just a little sure. bit. I don't want to uh, bore people too much. But um, back in the Edo period, the time between 1603 and 1868, uh, rice was of only one or two varieties. And that created a very big problem because in the northern the northern regions is where rice was mostly grown. But during harsh winters, they couldn't grow any rice. Mm. And so that's when famines occurred in Japan, when there wasn't enough rice for the country to sustain itself. That's when mm. big famines happened. Uh, we think of like the coronavirus as being hit and we get these sicknesses like this. And we think of Europe back back that time. We have the plague and things like that. Japan didn't seem to really get those kinds of serious sicknesses. Um, what they really uh, struggled with was famine. And through that famine, uh, the government really pushed for new varieties of rice. And it was during that time that actually they they created breeds of rice that are uh, winter resistant. So they could have rice yields year round. So it was really from that real heart heartache of not having enough rice that new yields were created. But also during that time, the sweet potato was also developed. So mm-hmm. in times of famine, you can also grow sweet potatoes. And if you talk to any Japanese person who lived through World War II, though those numbers are dwindling, uh, they all hate sweet potatoes because that's what they had to eat as children after the mm. war and during the war because there was nothing, there was no rice yields and everyone was out fighting the war. So it's just people had piles of sweet potatoes in their houses. Uh, so the, those, those, those two things really were important staples that developed in that, in the Edo period. Uh, so... Uh, I thought that was that always kind of. I thought that was interesting. Anyway, Mm-mm. I've read somewhere that white rice is Japanese white rice has. Um, that's always bad when you say read somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I okay, what I'm about to say, don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Don't believe yeah, what I'm yeah. about to say. Mm-hmm. But but I but I have read um, that Japanese white rice compared to mm-hmm. other varieties of rice around the world. Uh, uh-huh. is more nu- nutritious. It's like a resistant starch, which mm-hmm. we all need for gut, you know, for gut health. Good quality, you know, oh, good okay. gut health. Yeah. And yeah. white rice um, in Japan pr- uh, provides that kind of the gut flora that that, mm. that I've heard that we, we need. Mm. Um, and this is something that I, just as you were talking, I just looked mm-hmm. online and I was, I just typed in 
Japanese white rice nutrition. Mm-hmm. And from what I, I mean, this is coming from, so you can check my facts uh, to anybody listening, mm-hmm. but it's from akafuji.co.jp. It says that it cont- Japanese rice contains a number of well-balanced nutritional elements. It has mm-hmm. an ample supply of protein, vegetable protein, to be mm-hmm. specific, the source of vital energy, calcium and vitamins as well. So actually, you know what? That sounds like bullshit. <laughs> they're not even going to specify the fucking vitamins. You know what? Fuck that. <laughs> I, think, I think basically you can really taste when rice feels like you can. I, I feel like you can, if you eat rice a lot, you can tell when, oh, this is nutritious and this isn't. Like a lot of fat, what are called family restaurant places, establishments like Jonathan's. They, they'll serve you up some rice and it might be okay, but then there's other places that might be more local and you'll start, you eat the rice and it's really just over mushy and it doesn't have much robustness to it. And you can be like, ah, this probably is probably crappy for me. It's probably no better mm. than a, a piece of Wonder Bread. But yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, I think it's interesting though, you know, if we continue along the line of rice, which is, you know, the amount of, it's not just the variety of rice, it's the type of cooker that you use. I, I, have you ever gone to like Big Camera and looked at rice cookers? There's, you can go There's from- There's a shitload of rice th- cookers available. Yeah, yeah. It's like the $30, 3,000 yen rice cooker to the 100,000 yen, $1,000 rice mm. cooker. And they all yeah. have these special features and it really does affect the flavor of the rice. My wife and I, mm. we went to we went to Kyoto a few years ago. We stayed in like a, a studio apartment, and it had a rice cooker. And we brought our rice that we bought, akito komachi. We put that in a rice cooker, cooked it up, and it tasted like crap. It was horrible, mm. Mm. and it was just because the the rice cooker itself wasn't very good. Uh, so that can really have a big effect on what what the the quality and the flavor of the rice is. Mm. It's really interesting. Have you ever heard of green zones? Nope. Well, I think it's green zones, or oh, maybe I'm um, misremembering, but there are certain zones around the world um, where people have talked about their diets. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it's the blue. Uh, sorry, I think it's a blue blue zone. Okay. Blue and green. I still zones. don't know. <laughs> so, so basically, it's it's, it's about uh, like longevity, longevity mm-hmm. research about what cultures around the world live the longest, and mm-hmm. you've got Mediterranean, uh, Italy, and um, or Mediter- you know, in, in in Europe, certain mm-hmm. certain people live to be uh, live longer than people mm-hmm. living in other countries, and and Japan, especially Okinawa, always comes out on top. Right. So they did a little bit of research, a little into to what they they ate, and it's always mm-hmm. good quality, good quality uh, vegetables, um, protein from fish, and mm. uh, and just very simple, just a very right. very simple diet. So I think there's, um, of course, you know, you take it with a grain of salt because again, you're not taking your ge- your genealogy, you're not taking your biology into account. Mm. Who's to say that you or I will do well on that kind of diet Mm. and also we're missing out on the fact that it's not just the foods that they're eating they're also more active than most most other cultures they're they're walking around Mm. and also they have great communities where people Mm -hmm. are more um in touch with their um with a sense of camaraderie camaraderie Mm. or sense of community so i Mm -hmm. think it all plays they all play their own roles so it's not just Mm. the food yeah yeah, if you don't have a lively community where you can communicate with people on a regular basis and feel part of something, then that can be the deciding factor is whether or not you live from 85 to 90 or 95 to 100, probably, I would think. Yeah. There's no, no interaction and there's no reason your brain would probably just start shutting down, I guess. Well, it's a it's a crucial contrast living in Tokyo. Just see how mm-hmm. lonely people really are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, but this is yeah. This is a topic about food. So I don't want to get off track here. We're talking okay. about Japanese cuisine. And mm-hmm. you've uh, have you? Do you have anything else to add about rice? 
Well, okay, I could say that there's uh, different types of uh, pr preparations uh, where you can add red adzuki beans to it mm. and it becomes sekihan. So this is a more flavorful, impactful taste uh, that's usually done. You can actually get this at convenience stores and things like that. Um, but then I would be remiss if I didn't mention the probably the most important snack in Japan, which is the onigiri, the, the rice ball. That's right. Yeah. Th this is like the no matter where you go, no matter what convenience store you go to, no matter what lunch hall you go to, you're going to see an onigiri at least one time. Mm -hmm. And they're just basically very standard, simple things, a ball of rice and usually uh, covered in wrapped in seaweed and then a little treat inside either like fish bits or what is called an umeboshi which is like a pickled plum mm. and sometimes uh any custard called, yeah many <laughs> yes yes custard as well yeah uh, actually i think that there are kind of junk it can go it can run the gamut of health to just complete junk uh but um you can also get ones with uh, furikake, which is like a flavoring. Uh, so a natural flavor. Sometimes it's a natural. Most of the time it's natural with sesame seeds or uh, bonito, uh, slices of bonito and things like that. Uh, so th there's all kinds of different varieties of onigiri that um, people often eat as snacks. It's all rice-based. And sometimes people use it, eat, eat the only two onigiris for lunch and that's what that that's what their sustenance is for the day so it's a really mm. important part of uh the japanese diet mm -hmm. okay that's all i have to say about rice <laughs> that's that's very thorough thank you what well, you i think you also mentioned before about like a the convenience store on the topic of uh onigiris and how prevalent they are at Mm -hmm. at Japanese convenience stores. I mean, what, how mm -hmm. would you compare American convenience stores like the American 7-Eleven versus, like, mm -hmm. for example, the Japanese 7-Eleven? Well, while there, I would say while there is junk food in a 7-Eleven in Japan, there's also choices that are healthy. And you'll see them more often than not. There's very small aisles of junk. And then, like I said before, you know, you got your onigiri, and you have what is called the traditional oden, in uh, in w which is like a boiled boiled fish kind of thing. I, I it's not doesn't fit my palate very well, but I guess it has lots of vitamins and is healthy. And there are, as you mentioned, bentos, and bento can run the gamut from being very healthy to not healthy at all. Uh, but you still have a variety of choices that are not sugar filled and carbohydrate filled that you have a balance of some sort of balance of protein and fat and some vegetable, some green somewhere. Whereas I think in America, you're just inundated with donuts. If the, if there's tea, it's completely sugar wrench. You can't taste any of the flavor of the tea you got. Well, I love soft pretzels, but there's soft pretzels and, this kind of just just endless crap that's not really going to make you feel good by the end of the day. Whereas in Japan, you do have that choice. And another thing is the service. In a Japanese convenience store, you have microwaves that are behind the staff, behind the counter, and they'll heat up your bento mm, yeah, for you. That's right. And, and they always ask, would you like me to heat this for you? Mm, and it's mm. it, it's, you know, that that's a, a really so you don't have that in the part. states. They have microwaves, but you do it yourself. You you right. go out, you go around the counter, and you open it up, and you shove it in, and then that leads to uh, rather dirty counters and services. <laughs> you know, mm. surfaces are not not too pretty. But um, the one thing, though, a lot of convenience stores in America do have a deli corner where you can get a sandwich, and I think to to the to a certain degree there is some health in those sections but i think for the most part people are just consuming egregious amounts of sugar it's just the sh it's just the sugar dispensary choose the shape that you like the best and go with that whereas japan you have more of a balance you can get the crap but 
you do have choices of healthy choices that most importantly that Japanese people like. You know, it's not just like some healthy salad where, you know, in America, you know, oh, I think I'll have the salad, but really you don't like the salad, <laughs> you know? Mm, mm, but mm. in Japan, people, generally speaking, really like the onigiri with the uh, fish bits inside or the onigiri wrapped in seaweed and all, the, all of these things that we consider just health food is just food for Japanese people. So I think that would be, you know, some of the big differences between the two convenience store cultures. It's interesting. You're talking about the like macronutrients, you know, like how, mm -hmm. how much fat, how much uh, protein and uh, the ratios between, between the three major macronutrients and carb, mm -hmm. carb content. And uh, they reminded me of, uh, of Izakaya's and, uh -huh. Izakayas are Japanese bars, and I, I remember spending a lot of my my twenties frequenting bars and izakayas, and and uh, I don't know much about food, but I do know a lot about drinking. And mm -hmm. the izakayas that I went to always had long menus for food, and I always thought to myself, I thought, well, I I've never eaten and drunk at the same time in new zealand that's just not a it's not a cultural mm. part that's not that's not a part of our dna we have right. nuts you get these shitty little nuts uh, <laughs> in the, the bar counter but when you drink yeah. you drink yeah and we don't have anything like an izakaya you have a restaurant or you have a bar mm -hmm. but izakayas here are like a happy medium for people yeah and i think it's also japanese i mean this is uh, maybe a generalization, but I think many Japanese can't drink as much as as Westerners. I mean, I have. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I've I've met like these young young women who have drunk me under the table, but mm -hmm. but I think they're an exception uh, rather right. than the rule. And right. but the izakayas, they they have food, and I always thought of it as just like, well, they gotta Japanese have to eat along with drinking. Mm -hmm. But then when I was doing the keto diet. I read somewhere, I think it was, it was a Reddit thread, uh, mm -hmm. about the fact that izakayas don't have a lot of carb-heavy foods. Mm -hmm. So as a keto practitioner or a keto mm -hmm. adherent, mm -hmm. izakayas are perfect. You can go right. there uh, and eat a lot of, you can find just fish by itself. You don't even have to eat right. rice. You can just find uh, a lot of protein, good quality fats. Some vegetables that are low in, in carb contents and and it's it's perfect. Right. Sakai's are, are great for, for people like me who want to practice this diet religiously. Yeah. So so before when I was talking about how little Japan accommodates me, in a roundabout mm -hmm. way they they you know, inadvertently they are accommodating me. Right. Because right, Japanese right. know that when you're drinking a lot of beer yeah. the last thing you want is to be eating carbs along with yeah. the beer. <laughs> so for I don't know how many centuries of being yeah. isolated that they figured mm. they figured this out for themselves, and I think that's right. fucking amazing. Uh, I th yeah, I think it's um, it speaks to I think it speaks to one aspect of the j many Japanese being not very big drinkers, and so what I mean that is that they can't really hold their alcohol that well, and so in order to balance that. You know, you drink a little bit and then you eat some food and then it kind of maybe the food, the food content counterbalances the, the, uh, drunk, the state Lines of drunkenness. Your stomach. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, um, something that's pretty important. And I always yeah, had I, the same I, conversations with people going out yeah. with, with Japanese from different walks of life. Conversation always came up. They would order the like, uh, oh, why aren't you eating? Why, mm -hmm. you know, what do you want? You know, we're all going to be mm -hmm. eating. You should eat this, eat this. And they, mm -hmm. and I always had to tell them, I said, well, listen, if I eat and drink, I just don't feel good. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't feel, uh, you know, I feel a little bit, a little bit queasy. Just, it's just mm -hmm. my biology. You know, it always right. blew their minds, not being able mm -hmm. to understand the fact that, that I can just drink all night without, without having any food. And I would always mm -hmm. explain to them, like, I will eat, but after I finish drinking. Yeah. When I, you know, There's just as I'm going, things. yeah, when I'm about to go to bed, <laughs> that's very <really> healthy. <laughs> yeah. And now for oh, the ramen. food. 
Oh, ramen is a great. Uh, that, oh, that's a great yeah, fruit. Yeah. High. That's yeah. so high in carbs. <laughs> Good old ramen. Uh, it's a whole a whole other podcast. We could talk about ramen endlessly. Yeah. And all the instant foods that exist uh, in Japan and how that works into the lifestyles of people. There's so many things to talk about, but it looks like we've reached an hour already. Yeah, so, well, we're going to have to, uh, let's continue this conversation. Yeah, we'll uh, we've got a lot, mm. we have a lot more to cover about Japanese yeah. cuisine. Um, mm. But I think we've, yeah, we've touched upon some good, yeah, some major yeah. points about what we, yeah. the kind of lifestyles we're leading here. You didn't even yeah. mention what kind of yeah. diet you're following. You're doing like, That's a, right. from what I remember, is it a hybrid? Keto, yeah, it's a hybrid, paleo. So it's, mm, it's not paleo. It's just low carb. Okay. Just uh, I just carb. I still eat rice, but I I don't uh, I eat about a quarter of the amount of rice I used to eat, and it's helped me a lot. Not lose weight because I don't need to lose weight. When I first started, you know that I, I weighed sixty four kilograms, and I started to go on the keto last year, and I lost six kilograms in ten days. And That's not healthy. That may, yeah, that basically makes me look like uh, a skeleton. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but now I just I I really cut out the the carbs. No more high sugar desserts and anything like that. So, and that's basically I've done all that just to balance uh, one important part of my life, which is dizziness and Meniere's disease, and. By cutting out a lot of carbs and high sugar content foods, I've been able to this year pretty much get through really bad parts of uh, dizziness from last year. May was terrible for me last year. There's days I couldn't get out of bed because I was so dizzy. And this year I made it through May without any of those problems. And I attribute it mainly to my change in diet and specifically reducing you know, I love chocolate, but not high sugar chocolate anymore. I I love carbs, but I cut down a lot, and that's really helped me uh, balance, uh, control my dizziness from Meniere's disease. So uh, that's that's uh, in a nutshell my main thing. Did you suffer from that back in the states? I don't remember um, asking you. No, you it's something this. that's been about for about ten years. And it's attributed to a lot of people have this in Japan. A lot of people have uh, uh, dizziness and ear-related problems. And it's attributed a lot of to the barometric pressure changes in weather. Uh, you talk about Japanese natives, not just foreigners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So Japanese people have a big... Uh, there's so many people. Sudden deafness. If you say the word sudden deafness, topatsenancho or Meniere's disease, Menierubyo, to uh, a group of Japanese, they'll all nod their head and say, "Oh, I know someone who has that." Whereas in America, Jeez. I mentioned this, and no one. We we're like, "What are you talking yeah. about?" You told me about this uh, a few years ago, and I had no idea yeah. what the hell you were talking about. Like, sudden deafness. Mm. I thought you were just making it up. I thought I thought you saw <laughs> yeah, like a quack. I thought you saw a quack of a doctor, and the doctor's like, mm, "Yes, that's uh, sudden deafness. You've got a problem with your ears? Suddenness. Just take this medication and uh, come back next week. I'll issue a new prescription." <laughs> it does sudden sound deafness. Like Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> It does sound so made up. That's why, because because it, it's you, we have that sudden death, you know, in games, you know, like the uh, so it's, it's so close to that, you know. Sudden death like, they just dropped dead. <laughs> this other guy just suddenly up. lost his hearing, yeah, <laughs> because of barometric pressure pressure in the uh, in the environment. Wow. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so um, you know, I've done all kinds of things, and uh, that that's one thing that I, I finally it hasn't cured my hearing loss, but um, it's re- it's really controlled the dizziness, and that's I mean that's the Life most saver. important thing. Is uh, God damn it, it sucks not being able to get a bed because you're dizzy. It's like the mm. dumbest thing ever, and you're vi- like I went to freaking 
a book off, which is a, a recycle shop in Japan. And I was walking around suddenly I got a spell of dizziness. I was in that freaking shop for two hours vomiting in the bathroom, like on my Jesus. knees, vomiting in the toilet in a fucking book off it's like mm. ooh, it's already dirty because it's just used shit all over the place and then you're like a, <laughs> yeah it's like that, the worst yeah. place yeah. and then um you know finally i recovered after a couple hours but man that sucked so yeah i mean we could talk more more about this kind of stuff in another episode yeah and uh, really, really get into other things like natto and, you know, all the fermented goods. Mm. You know, Which is natto so has, good for your gut. Yeah, it's so good for you. And it, uh, you know, but, you know, that's for another day. 